Right. We are uh, continuing our, our look at the Lord's Prayer, so if you would, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. should be close to page 811 in the Red Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 6. And really, we call this the Lord's Prayer, um, but, but really it's the Disciples' Prayer, right? It's the... It's the prayer that Jesus taught us. He taught us how to pray, right? He said, pray like this. And so we're going to read Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13. And today we're going to focus on, again, on verse 10. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for prayer. And we thank you that you've taught us how to pray that you have given us a guide and direction so that we would know how to talk to you. For often, Lord, we, we are at a loss at how best to do that. And so, Father, we pray now that you would bless the reading and the hearing and the preaching of your word. Lord, that we would be a changed people. God, that you would speak to our hearts and transform us by the power of your grace through the ministry of the Spirit using the word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So for, the, so for the past two Sundays, I don't even know if you've noticed, um, but I haven't had my glasses on, and I haven't had surgery, and I didn't get contact. I just keep forgetting to put my glasses on. So right now, you're all a little bit fuzzy, which may be a good thing. Um, we'll see. Um, but anyway... I don't, know, I don't know what your home is like, I don't know what your house is like, but I know that every day in my house, we have a battle of the wills, right? Of course, I'm not talking about me and my wife, we're always on the same page, uh, right? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about my children and my wife, um, right? There's, there's a battle of the wills, right? You know, you know what your will is, it's this little thing, or rather large thing inside of you that says, this is how I want life to go. So this is what I want to do, this is how I want to do it, this is why I want to do it, right? That is, that is your will. Every one of us has one, whether, uh, whether you're an intimidator, right? Whether you like to just squash people with your will and say, no, this is how it's going to be done. Uh, or, or whether you're a negotiator, right? Here's what my plan is, I'm going to put that out there for you and see what you think about it. Uh, or, or you may be, this is kind of an intimidator too, but right, the passive-aggressive intimidator who says things like, if you loved me, you would dot, dot, dot. Right? So all of, us, all of us have a will, and we all seek to impose that will on everyone around us in various ways. Okay? Well, we have a problem. Because Jesus comes along and he says... No, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God's will would be done. Right? Your, your gut reaction is, I want my will 
to be done. And Jesus says, actually, it's God's will you want to be done. And so this third prayer, right, we've already looked at two, hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. Now we get to a third prayer. But it really lines up with the first two, right? It really, they're, they're really form a progression because God's name is set apart as holy. God's name is glorified when his kingdom comes, right? When his, and when we, we, we looked at when we prayed that, right, when God's kingdom comes, what we're asking for is for him to rule and reign in our hearts, for him to take over. And that happens when God's will is done, when we subject our will to God's will. And so what we're praying for in this one is that we're praying that God would subdue our wills and make us love, know, and do His will. But we have to ask the question, what exactly is the will of God? What do we, what do we mean when we say the will of God? Because it this is, another, this is another funny prayer, right? When we, when we pray that God would hallow his name, well, isn't God's name already holy? And we talked about that. But yes, God's name is already holy, but to us, right, we're blind to that. And so we have to ask God to reveal that to us. And then when we pray for God's kingdom to come, what we want to say is, well, isn't God already the king? So why do we have to pray for his kingdom to come? And what we saw was that there's a rival kingdom in place, that at least in this present age, on this present earth, there's, a, there's another kingdom, right? Uh, the Bible calls it the kingdom of darkness, uh, ruled by Satan himself, and it aims to blind men to God's glory. And so when we pray that prayer, what we're asking is that God would conquer that kingdom and bring in his own kingdom. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he came to earth, right? He announced the arrival of God's kingdom. And he announced it in us because that conquering has to start in us. And so this really goes along with that, right? Yes, right, in one sense, God's will is always done, right? That's kind of the, that's the hidden will of God's purpose and plan. You see that in Ephesians 1. You see it in Romans 8, right? That will of God, his plan and purpose for how everything is going to turn out, that will cannot be thwarted. That will cannot be undone, right? It will unfold exactly how God wants to unfold it. So if that's God's hidden will, right, because not all of that is revealed to us, what exactly are we praying for here? What exactly are we asking God to do? And what we're praying for is God's revealed will, right? How does God want us to live? How does God want us to follow him? Right, and so this is a this is a big question, you know. The, especially especially if you're young, maybe and about to graduate, or you're in the midst of making major life decisions. Right, what is the will of God for my life? Right, you've you've probably asked that question. Right, am I or something like it? Right, am I in the center of God's will? When it comes to questions like, who should I marry? Should I date her? Should I marry him? Should I homeschool my kids? Should I send my kids to school? Where should I go to school? What will I do when I graduate? Right? In all those questions, what we're asking, what we want to know from God is, what is your will in these areas? If you're, if you're, if you're a follower of God, that's kind of what you're asking for. Okay? And I've got really good news. I'm about to tell you what God's will for your life is. 
hold on to your seat, right? Because it's in here. All right, you ready? What is the will of God for your life? Right now, Emily Burkhalter's like, where is it, where is it, where is it? Right? <laughs> is Auburn God's will for my life? No. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Here you go. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Is that kind of a letdown? You were really hoping I was going to say something else, weren't you? The will, God's, God's will for my life and for your life is actually your holiness. Now, that, sound, that may sound really stodgy. What that means is God's will for you is that you grow to be like him. That you go from being kind of this, rebell- this, this rebellious, running away sinner to being conformed with the image of God that you were made to be. Right? The will of God for your life is him. That you would grow to be like him. So when it comes to the question of guidance, right, what, should I marry her? Should I date him? What car should I buy? Okay? Um, the first question to ask is, will I, will I grow in holiness? Will this, will this help me be more like Jesus? Will this person be, help me be more like Jesus? That's the, that's the first will question to ask, right? Will this help me grow to be more like Jesus? Um, that might be a little bit frustrating because it doesn't necessarily tell you what job to take. It doesn't necessarily tell you which person to marry. But it's a really helpful beginning because there are some jobs you could take that will not help you grow in God's holiness, right? They will not help you be more like Jesus. Um, in fact, there are some jobs you could take that are completely contrary to. Or if you're in a job and you're trying to decide, okay, should I stay here? Well, are you seeing things that, that trouble you as it, as it pertains to the will of God, as, as in how God wants us to live and conduct our lives, right? And then the, then the answer to that question, as painful as it may be, is you probably ought to go. And so the first question when it comes to God's will, what does it mean for God's will to be done in my life is, will it make me look more like Jesus And what we're really saying is that God's will, not the hidden up here purpose for your life that none of us will know this side of eternity, right? Um, But the revealed mundane everyday sort of stuff is revealed right here. It's revealed in God's word. It won't tell you how to make every decision, but it will help you make every decision. Let's take another example, something relatively harmless. You know, should I buy this car or that car? And so then the questions that might flow from that, that, that out of God's revealed will, are things like, okay, well, how much money is that car? Will it put me in great amount of debt? Do I really need that car? Or if I buy this car, will I have, will I have more money to give to... Grace Presbyterian in Christchurch, New Zealand. You see what I'm saying? So that's kind of how like the funnel of decision-making plays out, that when it comes to God's revealed will, we can ask ourselves those sort of questions. 
But as we also see in the Bible, um, we don't always ask those sorts of questions, which is why Jesus tells us we have to pray, pray this, right? Um, because it, this is a prayer that we would love what God loves and hate what God hates. That's what this prayer is all about. But that means it's a prayer of self-denial. That what we're doing when we pray that God's will would be done is we're actually praying for God to take over, right? Because my nature and therefore my will run in the opposite direction of God's nature and God's will, right? This is a constant struggle in our house. Dad, I want to do this. Well, son, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. I don't want to do that, right? And then we have the, the, the inevitable conversation like, well, buddy, who's, who's in charge? You are. Okay, so we're going to do what I want us to do, right? Um, or I want him to play with me. Buddy, I don't think he wants to play with you. <laughs> right? There's a, there's a constant, there's a constant fight, uh, when it comes to our wills, because each one of us, by nature, wants to defend our own territory and wants to and wants to use our wills to manipulate other people. Okay, that's the nature of it. We want to pursue. I want to pursue my own pleasure and my own selfishness at the expense of everyone and everything else. And I imagine that you're probably not too different from me, right? And the reason why we do that. What do, you, what do you think was going on in the garden? God wills that I not, right? Adam and Eve, our first parents, Eve looks at the fruit and knows, okay, God wills that I not eat that fruit. But I want that fruit. I will eat that fruit. And just like in my house, when my son's will crosses my will, right, disruption happens dysfunction happens there's a problem there's separation so also in real life right so also on the big scale of things on the spiritual scale when my will runs crossways to god's will i actually cut against the grain of how i'm made i actually do great damage to myself and to other people when my will conflicts with god's will and so we have to pray this we have to ask right and i want you to notice this Jesus is not saying, go and do God's will. That's not what he says. Now, he'll say that in some other places, and and, and later books will say that, right? Doing God's will is important. But actually what Jesus is telling us is pray. Ask God that his will would be done. Because you're not going to do this on your own. And so what Jesus is saying is, you need to ask for help. You're... God's will and your will must be aligned in order for you to be happy, okay? Uh, but since you run crossways to God's will, since your will crosses God's, you actually have to ask God to grab a hold of your, uh, the scruff of your neck and pull you back over here under his will, okay? And as we saw in Sunday school, he does that in a very loving and gracious way. That image may not convey um, much grace to you, but... Right? When you think about when you think of a think of a mother cat with her baby kittens, right? When they're heading off in a direction she doesn't want them to go, she goes and she picks them up by that loose flabby skin on the back of their necks, right? And she carries them back over here. That's what we're praying that God would do. In this prayer, we're asking 
that God would take our little rebellious wills and make them like his own and subject us to himself. All right, so we're praying that that would happen. But he also says this, right? Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So we're praying that heaven would come to earth, right? And not in the Belinda Carlisle, ooh, heaven is a place. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, okay, right? Some of you remember that song. Tim King's going to jam out to it when he goes home, right? We're praying that heaven would come down to earth. Because here's why. In heaven, there is no conflict. There is no war. There is no strife. There is no hunger. All is, all is health and peace. Do you know why that is? Because no one, there is no rival will. All the angels in heaven do God's will without question. They do what he asks of them. They live how they are told to live, right? In heaven, God's will reigns supreme. Now, that may sound really awful to you, right? When you hear that, you may hear, I, have to, I would have to give up my freedom. I would have to give up my individuality. I don't want to submit my will to someone else's. I don't want someone else to reign supreme. I can't do that. That would be awful. And that would be awful if we were talking about another creature's will. Right? There's a reason that we hate dictators. Consider North Korea, ironically called the Democratic People's Republic of North Korea. And yet it has been ruled by the same family since 1945. And the current ruler, Kim Jong-un, his title is Supreme Ruler, which doesn't sound very democratic or people's, but he is the supreme leader. And so what that means is his will must be done and no one else's. You cannot cross his will because to cross his will is dangerous. And so that may be what you hear. Maybe you're thinking about that when you hear that God in, in heaven is the, is the supreme ruler and that, no, and that there's no conflict with his will. Maybe, maybe you think North Korea, right, where the, where the dictator lives in, as far as we can tell, lives in wealth while his countrymen starve. Maybe that's what you think of, right? Because as the old saying goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so you're right. The universe would be a miserable place if, I were to subject, if, if my will had to be done. Because my will does not have your best interest at heart. My will for my glory does not have your good in view. It only has my good in view. And I will aim to subdue you to me at great cost to you. Right? Um, I'll use, an, I'll use a nerdy example. So if you remember from the Lord of the Rings, right, you have the one ring, okay, and that one ring, that's the, ring of, that's the one ring of power, and that ring is tied to the will of the Dark Lord Sauron. Okay, Sauron, excuse me. I'm not as nerdy as I thought. So the, the ring has to be destroyed, right? And yet throughout the books, the one who's carrying the ring to, to its destruction, Frodo, right? He continues to try to give the ring to somebody else, 
right? He says, I'm too small for this. I'm not strong enough. I need someone else to do this. He tries to give it to men. He tries to give it to elves. He tries to give it to a wizard, right? And at each point, that person says back, you want, right? What Frodo says is, you're good, so take the ring and use it for good. Your will would be done. And the powerful creatures that he says this to respond with this way. It would be good at first. But then I would begin, but then it would begin to be terrible. Because my will would then begin to sub- subject your will to me. Right? The ring would actually turn my good will evil. Right? You would begin to be my slave. And so there is no, there is no way to handle the ring. Well, there is no way to use the ring. The ring must be destroyed. In the same way, my goodwill only goes so far. Given enough power, it would eventually turn terrible. But what if, what if there was a fully good will? What if there was a fully generous will? What if there was a fully loving and perfect will? What if there was a person whose absolute glory meant my absolute good so that when I did his will, it would actually benefit me so that, so that his glory and my good actually lined up with each other? Friends, that's the God of the Bible. His will is perfect and good and loving. And what we're praying for is that just as His good and perfect and loving will is done in heaven without question, we're praying that that same thing would be true on earth, that a little bit of heaven, right, that paradise would in fact reign on the earth. We're asking for a picture of heaven to come down to earth. That will happen one day. So this is a prayer looking forward to the future when Jesus will come back and there will be no more mourning or crying or pain because God's will will be done. But in the meantime, before we get there, we're asking that God would reign in our hearts in such a way that we long to do, that we desire to do, that we willingly do His will just as they do it in heaven. And here's what happens, right? So if you combine all, of, all three of these prayers, I want you to notice what Jesus has done. Before you ever get, before we ever get to our needs, before we ever get to our sin, before we ever get to our protection, Jesus lays in front of us God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And what that tells us is that prayer is ultimately not about us at all but about God himself. And that if we approach God as our loving Father, if we know him to be our Father, right? that when we pray, we come to him in adoration, praising him and thanking him for all that he's done, right? and praying things that are according to his heart. Now, as we'll see next week, right, we'll also get to our needs, but that's actually not how Jesus' prayer begins. Jesus' prayer begins with God. And when we pray these things, what we're asking is for 
for the church, for you and for me, to be a little outpost of heaven on earth, right? Um, this, this week, we, the United States reopened its um, relations with Cuba, okay? And so that means that our diplomatic mission in Cuba, we now open up, what's the word I'm looking for? Embassy. There we go. This, there's a funny thing about embassies. Wherever they are in the world and whatever country they represent, they are, they are considered the soil of that country. So, for instance, we, we spent a summer in China, and we had to go to the U.S. Embassy. As soon as we walked through that gate, we were on U.S. soil. Now, we were still in Beijing, China, but we were on U.S. soil. Y'all, that's exactly what the church is meant to be in the world. That when we pray these things, we are an embassy of heaven here. So we're praying that this would be true in our own hearts, and we're praying this would be true in our own lives. So these are what we're praying is that God would give us God-centered prayers and a God-centered life. And when we do that, what we become is a haven for weary sinners. Right? Weary, world-sick, sin-sick sinners ought to come here. And when they walk, not when they walk through the doors, though that would be, I mean, that's, that's good. Not just when they walk through the doors, but when they meet us, that they would meet heaven. And that they would begin to get a picture of no strife, no hunger, no war, no sin. That they would get a picture of Jesus himself. That's what we're praying God would do in us and for us for our good, for his glory. Let me close with this. The only, way to pray, uh, the only way to pray these things is to realize that you're not the first one to pray this. Because these are really, this is really a dangerous prayer. Right? Because I, because I love my comfort, and I love my pleasure, and I don't want to give it up. But what I'm asking for is that God would take the reins from me that I, that I would actually die to myself and to my pleasure and my desires and live for him, regardless of what that may cost, regardless of what pain that may bring. What we're asking for in this prayer is very dangerous because it means we will no longer have control. And God may ask of us things that we do not want to do. And, there, and things may come our way that are very painful and uncomfortable. So how do you have the strength? How do you pray a dangerous prayer like that? Do you know the Son of God prayed this exact prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died? The Son of God, perfect Jesus himself, he, was, he wrestled with the plan of God for his life. He wrestled with God's will. Because, and, he had a, and he had a burden much greater to bear than you or I. He knew... That if he followed God's will, he was going to be separated from his Father in heaven. He was going to be inflicted with every sin that his people could do. All of the punishment and wrath for sin were going to be laid on him, and it would sever his relationship with the Father he had always known. And so he cried, and he sweated. And he prayed. And at the end of that prayer, 
He said, not my will, but yours be done. You can only, you can only pray this way if you trust that, that your God is your Father and that he loves you very much and that his will is good and perfect. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray. We pray just that, that we would know that you are our God and Father. And that because we come to you in Jesus, you love us and you, and you hear us. And so we, tr- we can trust you. We can turn the keys over to you. Cause us to realize that our lives are really about your name, not our own. And that the best thing for us and for the world is for your kingdom to come, not our own. And for your will to be done in our hearts, in our homes, in our church, in our world, just as it is done in heaven. We long for the day when we will see it perfectly. And we ask for grace for today to to see it done now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.